What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Bid here on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. Happy holidays. It is that week. I almost broke into wonderful Christmas time there for a second, but I think we would lose our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I think they would tune out pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't blame them. Uh, but I'm Tim Daniel. Excited to be here, obviously. A uh, huge week in college basketball as we're starting some conference play. We're, we're getting the last big group of non-conference games before conference play there for every team testing themselves and their schedule. Uh, but I'm here, as always, with my guy, Taylor Bergfeld. And Taylor, um, we had the craziest up and down week for the Memphis Tigers, where I know we talk about them a lot because they are probably the most entertaining team in college basketball for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, but an unbelievably impressive win against Alabama where they look awesome and they look great. And I'm like, all right, I'm back in, I'm back in. They're good. And then it's like, all right, well, they got Tennessee this week. Let's see how they patch up against that. And then like 45 minutes before the, ten- the game supposed to tip against Tennessee, they canceled the COVID. And then we find out that Penny Hardaway says that he's like, yeah, they all told me they were vaccinated. I just kind of took their word for it. And it's like, Oh man, Memphis is a shit show, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they needed that game against Tennessee to kind of another yeah, test did. for them. They're rolling, um, playing well. Now they're looking at having to win the AAC outright in conference tournament as well, just because they're not gonna, like there's not going to be an at-large conversation for Memphis. Um, but yeah, the whole he runs the program. You know, many of the scrutinies or the the opinions that, that were out there against Penny when he took the job are all coming to fruition. Like he doesn't matter how to run a program. It's an AAU program. It's this and that. And, you know, watching their games too, it shows you how little they learn from game to game basis. They, they don't value the basketball. They, they try to have a possession in the seventies and eighties, which is fine, but you know, you're averaging 15, 16 turnovers a game. I, I, you know, we do our, our daily best bets on our uh, 48 minutes network um, Twitter page, myself and a couple other people, you know, provide some college basketball insight. Um, I, I took Memphis plus three and a half at home against Alabama. And a lot of people were flooding in the mentions being like, you know, Hey, like, are we sure this is what you want to do? Like, you know, can I get some thought behind of it? You know, it's just, it was a must win game for them. I thought, you know, they, they had to have that if they wanted to have any sort of season. If, if they lose that game, I could see Jalen Duran, opting out or Imani Bates potentially going to figure out something else. But uh, Memphis, you know, they, they, a game that they had to have, they won. Everything off the court is a disaster as well. But my biggest thing is, you know, the COVID stuff is obviously wrecking college basketball, which we'll get to here probably next. But my biggest thing with Memphis is that how much better they look with Imani Bates on the bench. It's weird, he, isn't it? His, he's a high usage rate guy, but he takes some dumb. And I mean – dumb shots like i'm like what the hell is going on here so a lot to get to from memphis you would think with larry brown they'd be a little bit more together cohesiveness but it, it just shows it's a different era of college basketball than it was 10 15 even 5 10 years ago so i've talked to a couple people just kind of get the like kind of get their feelings on imani bates for the 2023 nba draft and i'm starting to see more and more that a lot of people are putting scoot henderson above him mm-hmm and when I was like, I don't know, man, you know, Imani, he's been so good for so long. And then like, now I'm like, okay, I get it. I mean, he's a year, he shouldn't even be playing right now. A, right. And then B, it's just, he's not doing a lot to help himself. The talent is there. He can shoot. He's athletic. He can drive and finish at the rim, but like decision-making and, and, you know, learning to play with teammates and stuff like this is not like, look at Jalen green is a perfect example. A guy that goes out there and get the bucket, but when you're losing by 45 every night, does it, does it really matter? Like, you know, long-term maybe, but 
I'm still in on Imani. I think he's got a lot of room to grow and improve. But, I did too. Uh, you know, I think this year has been a, a pretty much humbling year for him. You know, hasn't been the talk of the town, struggled in big games. You know, hopefully next, the end of this year, next year, he can kind of progress the way we thought he would be. Yeah, plus, you know, barring anything crazy happening, I think we all suspect he'll be back in Memphis next year. So mm-hmm. two years of college ball. I mean, like, not that they're in the same talent sphere because – I think Imani has a much higher ceiling than Miles Bridges, but Miles Bridges' second year at Michigan State was kind of like that big takeoff, and I could definitely see that being the case for for Imani as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's enough Memphis talk for this week. They're <laughs> they're a mess, and if they play tomorrow, uh, the day that this goes live, which is Tuesday, they'll be playing Alabama State instead of having a big game against Tennessee. So Alabama State, who have had their last two games canceled due to COVID, and are two and nine. Tough. Yeah. tough, tough, tough. Yeah. So, can... yeah, speaking speaking of COVID, so obviously, you know, if you're not immune to it or not you or yourself, but college basketball fans, NFL fans, NBA fans, every sort of fans, sports fans in the world, obviously getting hit with the new variant and the new protocols. Um, we're going to, you know, we're not going to get into the too deep into it, but a lot of our favorite games this weekend have been postponed. Kentucky, Ohio State, North Carolina, UCLA, um, you know, Memphis, Tennessee, just get on and on and on. Obviously, more games are continuing to be canceled, cancellations, um, forfeits, things like that. So I think I kind of want to get your your take on this as well. The What the NFL is doing, you know, had to restructure their policies pretty quickly because they realized, like, hey, we're not going to be able to keep moving these games back from Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday. Um, Especially during college the basketball playoffs. Right. In college football, <laughs> college basketball is no different with the um, – you know, once we're in a conference play, a lot of these conferences have already assigned that, hey, if you cannot perform or if you cannot play, it's a forfeit. It doesn't count for your win-loss record, but you are 0-1 in the in the conference, not 8-2, and then you become 8-3. and Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So my thing is, is like, if we're, you know, not to get too too de- deep into it and know everything, but the, the policies or the procedures of which we're testing have to change, just like the NBA. We cannot be... Like if you're ace, if you're vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you know, and I think they're going to, you know, push the booster shot on all these kids now, just being like, hey, like this is just kind of the next step for you. If you have are fully vaccinated, including the booster, like you should not be testing if you have if you're if you have no symptoms. I think the testing should only come in if someone on the team reports that they have symptoms or vice versa. Testing healthy kids in a demographic that, you know, statistically do well against it is not going to be something that's going to lead to a long-term successful season because there's going to be continue to be games and games canceled, especially when the variant is, you know, said to be mild and just be contagious. So like I said, not trying to get really too into it, but I really think there needs to be a change just like you'll see in the NFL. I think you'll stop testing the, the, the fully vaccinated, um, especially daily, maybe weekly, things like that. But I think there will be a change. The good news is it's happening in middle of December, not happening March, February. So right. the panic button, the panic button isn't there to be alarmed that we're not going to have a tournament or anything like that. Um, unfortunately, I, I think maybe you should be able to restructure the, the games, the forfeits, like DePaul having to forfeit, um, St. Seton Hall having to forfeit, you know, those are, those are pretty big losses that could ultimately affect your, you know, at large bid or your conference tournament. Especially seating. a very competitive conference. Right. So I think, you know, with how long you have for the rest of the year, you should be able to reschedule some of those games, but I would like to see the forfeits be taken away. Um, overall, I, I think stressful, you know, it's hard not to get 
bad vibes like you did in March of 2020. But the, my only hindsight will say is like last year there was a Super Bowl with fans. Last year there was an NCAA tournament that they bubbled. So there is a plan in place where, hey, if this isn't figured out by mid-February, like we'll kind of have an idea what the tournament may look like. Um, until they take away fans from attending games, I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I saw the Raptors are going to like 50% of yep. fans, but I think that's the most we've seen. I talked about this a little bit on Bench Mob this week where, um, you know, they kind of not just kind of beat a dead horse by any means, but Travis Steele talked about they're literally only testing players if yeah. they show symptoms. And I think that's kind of the route you're going to have to go. Um, you know, the NBA has this new hardship rule that came out, of course, right after we got done recording Bench Mob, um, where for as many guys as you lose to COVID protocols, you can sign a guy. And at some point, it's like, ugh, that's that's yeah. not gonna work. Um, you know, I see Cole Aldridge out here playing meaningful minutes in a game for the NBA. Like, yeah, yeah. Nick Collison does not need to come back and play NBA minutes. I'm sorry, right. we do not need this. I um, similar to what you said with Steele, and you know, the frustrations from owners and teams and coaches and things like that have been like, hey, like you know, the whole plan was to get vaccinated and to test and to you know wear masks inside the facilities, and it seems like most college programs are vaccinated or and are following yep. following these procedures so except for memphis apparently you, right but you get to this you get to this point where it's like hey man we've done everything you've asked and then we're still testing positive you know our guys are asymptomatic like it's it it just shows how how everything is constantly changing um it, the, the rule set the procedures are always subject to change just very frustrating time for um for college basketball fans especially like you know this week we're recording on monday so on wednesday you know Kentucky and Louisville are supposed to play their annual game and that game's already postponed. So Kentucky's already looking for a new opponent, but big bummer, um, you know, just to a lose a rivalry game, lose a non-conference that they say that they might schedule again, but let's be real. They're probably not going to. So, yeah, not to mention like, so you have situations too, like Saturday, um, Cincinnati was supposed to play Texas Southern, Texas Southern yep. canceled because of COVID and they scheduled Ashland, Ohio, a division two school. And that was like, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, total shit show. Yeah, I, off, I think they had to have David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport combined for 50 points to beat Ashland. That's pretty rough. Uh, yeah. But that's not the point I'm making here. I I mean, I just, I, I worry that, you know, if, I, I wonder what the, I don't, obviously we'll never know who tests positive and whatnot. Obviously, if they played the game and a player wasn't on the bench, then you would know. But yeah. I think it should be like, hey, if, you got 12 guys and three test positive, like, and the other nine test negative, like play, like we don't need to be canceling these games. I know it sucks. Like look at Malik Williams from Louisville. They lose at Western Kentucky on Saturday, but uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's better to have the game played than nothing at all. And my biggest thing is if we're testing an hour before the game, like Memphis and Tennessee are driving to Nashville, they should be tested the day before. And if everything's good, then they should be able to play. Yeah. Not to mention like the fans that are going to like traveling for those games and like, well, yeah. I'm going to January. My birthday is uh, Martin Luther King weekend. Um, it's the 17th. Any of my listeners would love to get me a gift. You know, <laughs> now you know the date. Uh, but the I'm going to North Carolina for the Carolina Georgia Tech game, the 15th. And I found oh, nice. tickets that I, I found tickets that I've wanted um, and looking to buy. But like, part of me is just like, I'm kind of going to wait till the week of. Like, gotta wait for the week of and then buy tickets when I'm heading out. Like maybe that Friday when I'm on the way, if I know the game's still on, because that's the last thing I want to do is be stranded out in chapel hill like with no game so that so, sounds terrible yeah i think you I, I think you get a refund if you buy through like i think if you i don't you know get the ticket insurance these days man yeah that's a good point like i was like i bought tickets for 
the Sunday's Bengals game and I got taken it. I did not buy the ticket insurance, but the NFL is a little different than college basketball. So that's a good point. Maybe when I'm buying my tickets for the game that weekend, I'll buy the insurance that way I'll get my refund. Cause I think it, it will go back to the original ticket holder. Wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So then I wouldn't get anything. Yeah. It'd be a disaster. That's exactly what it'd be. So yeah, man, um, that's definitely, it's just, it's, it's a shit show. I agree with you. We need to get to the point where it's like, it's gotta be like, if you're showing symptoms, great. Um, but other than that, I think we kind of got to just roll with the full, roll the punches. It, right. It's just like, and that's not no political side, no, nothing like that. It's just, just where we're at. I mean, we're two and a half years into this thing. It, you know, clearly it's not going away. There'll never be a day where we have zero cases. Uh, it shows that if you're vaccinated, if you're, you know, got the booster, if you're young, healthy, chances of being severely sick or low, just yes. If you're asymptomatic or if you're not feeling well, or if you're feeling well, you should be able to play. Simple as that. Yep. I'm with you. So, so with that being said, let's kind of move real quick to talk some of the action. Um, obviously, the, one of the bigger stories right now in college basketball is the Villanova Wildcats and their struggles. Um, just had two games in a row where they lost by 20 points. Um, one of those was obviously Baylor, where they only scored 36 points. And then they lose to Creighton um, by 20 points, uh, 79-59. You know, this is a team that's already lost to UCLA. They've lost to Purdue. Look, they play a great schedule. Um, and obviously they're like we said, they're in a very competitive conference, um, have a big game on Tuesday, uh, that we'll probably touch on a little later, but I think that this is kind of, a lot of people are kind of jumping. I would say that I'm concerned, but I'm really not. I think like, it's just kind of, you know, those two games are definitely like eye eye razors, but they're still one of the top 10 offenses in the country. They're still a top 40 defense in the country. Um, they still have Jay Wright at the helm. So I think this might just be. You know, for most other schools, are probably like, Ugh, I don't know. But this is Villanova we're talking about. This is probably just a rough stretch. Um, I suspect that they'll be they'll get things right soon. They're gonna be, I mean, they're gonna be a factor come the NCAA tournament. They might be a six through nine seed, but they're still a team you got to be worried about. So um, I don't know where, where you're at, but I'm definitely not pressing the panic button on Villanova soon. I definitely would like to see them play better to feel better about them. Uh, they did just drop the 22 in the AP pool that was just released a few minutes ago. Um, so they're actually ranked lower than their opponent this week, which is probably the first time in God knows how long that they had that in a big East game. Um, but yeah, I'm not worried yet. Um, I kind of am like not to play devil's advocate or no, no, I, you, I appreciate like, if you do. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of am for a team that, you know, preseason top, what was it? Top five, top 10. Yeah. I think they're like top, four. They're definitely top 10. Yeah. Um, they, you know, their non-conference schedule, UCLA at UCLA, lose a game in overtime that they probably should have won. Okay, wasn't worried about that game. Um, beat Tennessee by 18, a good Tennessee team. Okay, good win. Lose to Purdue um, when, when you're winning in the second half. Okay, still not panicking there. Good loss. You know, Purdue is a top three team in the country. The loss at Baylor, the or the loss at Baylor by, you know, scoring 36 points is stinky. Like, that is terrible. And then getting ran off the gym at Creighton. I know it happened in the big East, but my concern is that they were 23 for a hundred from their last 103 three point shooting attempts. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. And they don't have a big guy. Slater's fine. He's a average mid tier division one power five player, but I think they need, they're missing that Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They're missing, um, you know, a figure like that in the middle that can solidify their offense when the three point is not working. Um, Gillespie's great. Justin Moore is awesome. Samuels is great, but like, these are guys that like, hey, they're seniors, fifth year seniors, COVID year, like shouldn't be struggling this bad in a year that like with all the experience that they have. I'm with you with how they'll figure it out. They have plenty of chances in the Big East. 
Jay Wright at the helm. They will be there in March, but my, I would be selling my Villanova national championship stock. I pretty much un- unload all of it. I don't think they have the yeah. pieces to win it all. I don't I think they can sweet 16, probably the ceiling I'll give for this team. Now I'm sure it might come back to bite me in the ass for saying that, but I think, I think the three point struggles are a real thing. And I don't think you have a big man to solidify inside. Then you're just kind of continuing to, you know, try to shoot through a slump, which doesn't really work out always in the long term. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, especially if you look at, I know we just kind of talked about the fact they got canceled, um, but, you know, we're going to obviously talk about Xavier throughout the season uh, just because they're close to home and we're, you know, we're around that team a lot. Yep. Um, but Seton Hall is still really good. I know that they didn't get to play this week. Kevin Willard's obviously tremendous there. Um, you know, I think a lot of people really seem to think that Seton Hall might be the best team in the Big East, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if I'm fighting that at the moment. But, you know, for a Villanova team, I just feel very comfortable that, you know, they're going to be okay. Um, you know, for every Xavier Seton Hall game, there's still Butler and there's still teams like that. And, you know, I think Marquette was pretty impressive this weekend in their loss, but I still think that they're, they got a ways to go to be good. And I think shock is going to do a really good job there. Um, I just think he's going to be outmatched at times. So I think Villanova is one of those teams that will outmatch them per se. Um, yeah. You know, and I certainly understand where you're coming from. I just feel like every time I doubt Jay Wright and Villanova, something goes back to bite me. And I'm like, all right, this time I'm just going to roll with the flow here and see what happens yeah. with them. So when we talked about it before we started recording, um, it's a bad spot tomorrow night for Xavier. So when you're listening this tonight for Xavier, you know, you're getting a Villanova team back-to-back losses by 20 points at home, big East game, a game that, you know, Villanova really needs to win to, to be one and one in conference with a game at Seton Hall coming up. So Big stretch for them. You know, we'll kind of get to Xavier next here. I've been extremely impressed with them. You know, you were telling me all offseason how good this team can be, how deep they can be, and, you know, it's showing right now. But I think Villanova, um, Ken Palm has it as a five-point game. I think the spread's going to be two, two and a half, three for yeah. um, for Villanova. Anything higher than that, I'm probably going to jump on Xavier just because I think it's going to be a really close game. But big spot um, for Villanova to kind of get right and then another spot for Xavier to kind of solidify their, like, hey, like, we're right. A, a really really good team and the Big East front runner and I think they can solidify themselves tomorrow so yeah kind of getting in getting into Xavier now I know you were off this past weekend um you weren't at the the Marquette game but I did watch a little of that um, I did too. Just, I'm very impressed with their depth I I think Dwan Odom you know him arriving on the scene like he has um Big East player of the week you just mentioned to me the like how deep this team is you have Colby you have Adam you have Dwan you have you know you have Paul you have guys that just if somebody's having an off night, that's fine. Just move him to the side and the other guys will step up. Um, Jack Nungy, I mean, I'll put him up there for top five transfer, like in college basketball right yeah. now. He's been phenomenal. The shootout, he 31 points. You know, he's been great. Him and Deontay are great together. Um, Fremantle's back. This team's kind of rolling slowly but surely. So if you're a Xavier fan, it's a really good time to be an X fan. Um, big matchup tomorrow to kind of solidify yourself as the biggest contender. But would love to get your thoughts on kind of tomorrow night's matchup. Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of taking the fact that we're around the team, I'm um, just kind of looking from the out, trying to look from the outside, looking as much as I can. I think you have to be impressed with how deep they are, like you said, um, the fact that they have something for everybody. You know, I'm not going to be upset down the road. Look at this team. I don't think they're going to be penalized for the Iowa State loss, strictly for the fact, obviously, Iowa State's having a great year. And also mm-hmm. they had half their roster out. I mean, literally half their roster was out. And then, you know, with that half that half roster they have left, they pull off a win over a decent Virginia tech team. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to necessarily fault them for that, but I think also if you look at 
the fact that if you go down the road, go down like their box scores, they've had seven different guys already lead them in scoring this year. Like that's pretty, pretty impressive. Yep. Um, you mentioned Dewan Odom, Big East Player of the Week. Second week, second week in a row, Xavier has a player wins Big East Player of the Week. Jack Nanji got it the week of the shootout. And then um, you know, Adam Kunkel's finding his shot. That's really scary. And Paul Scroggs is kind of taking a step back offensively, kind of be more of a facilitator. Dewan Odom, before he had the breakout game against Marquette scoring-wise, had 16 assists in three games. Like he's become a really good passer and playmaker. He's going to be the starting point guard next year when Scruggs leaves more than likely. And, you know, Zach Fremantle still kind of getting his legs underneath him. He's still not fully back. I don't think, I know he had that really good game against um, right before the shootout, but you know, they don't need him to be, they've got Jack Nunji. They've got Deontay miles. Uh, they've got Jerome Hunter. If Jerome Hunter doesn't settle and attacks, he's really good. Yep. Um, he did lose two really, he did miss two really scary free throws on the stretch of that Marquette game that probably, made it a little tighter than it needed to be. But right. I think when you look at this team, um, you know, you're, you're like you said, you got to be impressed with how deep they are, how they can score. They play really well defensively. Um, Travis has got these guys locked in. And yep. the best thing too, is they are not scared of anybody. They, mm-hmm. they line up there. So, you know, when they go to Philadelphia tomorrow or today, when you're listening to this and they play, they play Villanova, they're going to give everything they got. They might lose. I mean, you know, it's, they haven't won there since they joined the Big East. Literally, have not won there. Um, so, you know, they're going to go in there believing tomorrow's their first. They're going to set history. Paul Scruggs is four and one against Cincinnati now. He wants that Villanova win in Philadelphia. You know, right. I mean, you know, they didn't get to play last year, so this is the first time in a couple of seasons that they play each other because of COVID. So, um, I suspect I don't know if they're going to win. I have not made a decision yet. I feel like they very well can. Um, you know, they're definitely good enough. They're deep enough. I mean, Kiki Tandy doesn't see the floor for this team and he's a good basketball player. Right well, now he's hurt for the year. Um, hopefully he'll be back next year healthy, but you know, like you said, with them, with Villanova, not having a big guy that definitely favors guys like Jack Nunji. Um, and then Fremantle and yeah. others like, so I, I'm with you. I think, I think the line's going to be small, um, small Villanova favorite, but anything above three and a half, I'm probably leaning Xavier just because um, I, I think their depth and I think how they can attack you inside is kind of a, that's exactly what Villanova doesn't want to play right now. So, yeah, you're right. So I like this team. I think that, you know, I'm excited that we're finally going to be talking about a team that we cover playing in an NCAA tournament. That's not NKU. Right. So that's pretty, pretty, pretty stoked, uh, exciting. And then, you know, after that, after Villanova, they got the week off for Christmas, obviously. And they come home on that the next Tuesday and they have a really good Connecticut team. Um, if you're not paying attention to Big East basketball this year, you are not doing college basketball fandom correct. There are probably six teams you can make the case for right now that could be in the NCAA tournament. And shockingly enough, for the first time, it God knows how long, one of those might be DePaul. They're pretty darn good. Um, I know that's the classic joke of fans is DePaul back, and I'm not going to go that far, but they are they are a pretty decent basketball team. So St. John's has been playing pretty well. Um, I, I do like this Marquette team as maybe like a – you know, playing in the first four games in the tournament. I think they're that they're pretty good. Um, yeah, man, this is a really fun conference. Seton Hall, Xavier, Villanova, you know, all the teams we've kind of talked about. So I think they're right in the mix. I certainly, I saw Dickie Simpkins had them as there. He has them as the second best team in the big East. And I don't know. He probably got Paul, too. Yeah. He probably got Paul Scruggs name wrong when he mentioned that with how, right. how well knowledgeable he is and everything. But uh, yeah, man, I'm with you. I think it's how you I kind think, of be an X fan. 
So fun time. Enjoy it. Be at Cintas. It's yep. the best atmosphere in the Big East. I love it. Butler still stinks for some reason. <laughs> bad. So bad. So speaking of teams that stink, um, my North Carolina Tar Heels were supposed to play UCLA this Saturday. Mm-hmm. UCLA has COVID issues. Mm-hmm. We scheduled the Kentucky Wildcats. Mm-hmm. And boy, was that game over at the first media timeout. Holy shit. Um, Kentucky wins. Let me get it pulled up. It was ugly. 98. 98-69 in Vegas. And boy, did it feel like a 50-point game the entire game. Um, Carolina was – they just – if you want to listen, go back to listen to the Mohegan Sun college uh, basketball tip-off tournament where I said, wow, we any team that is physical and gets up in our grill and – we showed lack of effort that everything repeat that on Saturday. Um, Kentucky was great. Kellen Grady, multiple threes, severe Wheeler guy. I mean, God, he was the five foot eight point. God is what I'll call him that, that game, Um, getting in the lane, picking rolls with Oscar, finishing at the rim, finishing through contact with Armando Baycott with RJ Davis. He was giving him buckets consistently. Um, Just kind of a burn the tape game for North Carolina. Um, Don't really want to discuss anything on their end. They were piss poor, made zero threes in the game, one three in the game. Um, you know, for a team that's averaging nine threes a game, when you live by it, you die by it. Very AAU-esque basketball level there. Very disappointing for their performance. But I'm not taking anything away from, you know, how well Kentucky played. I think they played outstanding, a big win that they needed. Oscar was great. Um, Jacob Toppin was an absolute disgusting dunk through the middle of the lane. Um, but just very infatuated with the guards. I think a Wheeler and Ty Tyre are guys that can lead you throughout the year. Um And if Grady can, you know, Grady can hunt for and look for his shot, that is a huge success for Kentucky. So, yeah, especially coming off the Notre Dame game where you saw, you know, Blake Wesley kind of do what he wanted to do in that Mm -hmm. game. Um, First off, you know better than to play in South Bend. Yeah, come on. You know better. You know better, John. It was funny. I, before we continue about the game, I had a friend that um, one of my good friends was texting me about the Bengals and we were talking about UK, North Carolina, because I, you know, it's tough being a, a, like, being a Carolina yep. fan and living in Kentucky is tough when they play Kentucky because a lot of people like, and I don't just don't hate it, but like a lot of people text me to like get my insight on the game. Like, what do you think is going to happen? And then during the game, they want to be nice and like text. And like, of course, when Kentucky's winning, they want to talk about the game, which is fine. Like, I don't, I'm not as like, I, I don't get upset as I used to like five or six years ago, where if Kentucky right. Carolina lost, like, don't talk to me for the rest of the day, but I'm like texting it in and out and they're making fun of, um, they're like making fun of Louisville. And I'm like, yeah, Kentucky's going to pound Louisville this week. Yeah. And they're like, I knew Louisville was in trouble after they played at Western. And I made a joke to my friend. I was like, well, you'll never have to worry about Kentucky doing that. He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, cow doesn't play on the road unless it's that rup or on a neutral site. So I had to give a jab in there while I could, but on a neutral site, they whipped Carolina's ass. They would have beat them in by 50 in the Dean Dome as well. So, um, just kind of want to get your thoughts on Kentucky. I know you, like, you were talking about how they struggled at Notre Dame, but a you big win for a team. It. Yeah, a team that they needed to win. They got one. That was a great day for me, by the way. I know we didn't get to record last week because we had like schedule issues, but Notre Dame beats Kentucky, Xavier beats Cincinnati. I mean, that was a fun day for me. You know, I needed that day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I think that this Kentucky team is obviously pretty decent. Like you said, Oscar has been tremendous. Um, I'm very high on Oscar Chibwe. The fact that he's like, in the fifties on some big boards that I'm reading right now is insane to me for, you know, being the anchor of a top 40 defense in the country. Um, but also, you know, offensively, I really do like what they're getting from a bunch of guys, you know, like you said, if you're a wheeler really stepping up, playing really well, Keon Brooks has been giving them good minutes. Um, finally consistent, good minutes. Yep. And I, you know, you like to see that a lot from that, from them. Uh, I do like Ty Ty Washington a lot. I think he's, you know, the best pro prospect they have. So, um, I just kind of expected 
that they would be, you know, that game's so weird uh, because you kind of mentioned it's like a burn the tape game. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to plan for Kentucky on a day's notice. And I'm not making excuses for losing the game by any means, but um, to kind of like, you know, I think it's a little easier to plan for North Carolina in that circumstance, not to be disrespectful by any means, but you kind of know like what all they throw at you where mm-hmm. Kentucky has so many different options. And I know they lost Notre Dame. I know they lost to Duke and I know they haven't looked very good throughout the year. I mean, they beat Southern by 16 when they were 30 point favorites. Uh, but you know, they still have a ton of deep guys are still talented and you know how it is here, you know, where we live when Kentucky loses a game, it's like, they suck. They're terrible. Yeah. Like, no, like it's college basketball, like South, yep. like playing it's in South Bend at the Jack is not an easy place to play. Duke has struggled there when, when they're in that team. It's, it's not an easy place it's, to play. Yeah, road like, games in college, like think, variables change. There are constantly things moving that just you aren't ready for. Um, yeah, last thing we'll touch on this game. Pretty disappointed in their effort. Uh, that's that's the one thing. I don't care if they lose or lose like you know lose big to a game, but the sulking, the look like they're giving up two minutes into the game is what frustrates me the most. Um, Carolina's got Appalachian State um, Tuesday or so t- tomorrow when you're today when you're listening, and then they get right into conference play. But the ACC has been fucking terrible this year, and that's yeah, not very good. State. Probably a two or three bit league team, and I'm. I mean, that's amazing to say out loud, but yeah, has been really poor. Carolina is a team I still think can finish in the top three of the ACC. Just have to take care of business when the options are out there. So play Appalachian State, play Virginia Tech, and then you play Boston College. If you can win two, three of those in a row, then, I'll, you know, it's still continuing this ride of the season. But I think the non-conference schedule, losing to Purdue, losing to Tennessee, losing to Kentucky, their only win over a Michigan team that is already struggling them, themselves. I think that kind of res- results in anything higher than a – five seed i think five six seed is kind of where carolina is going to be this year um especially with a weak acc but you know it's too early to get into tournament discussions but they didn't do themselves any favors in the non-con so have to really perform in the, the acc to to solidify that at large bid so yeah i mean and on the other end for notre dame you know had a chance to really show how good they were and then choke against indiana yeah and that's Bad loss that's frustrating um especially you know i'm not mad about like I'm not mad about the Illinois loss. Um, I'm very pissed about the Boston College loss. I won't lie to you. That was embarrassing. Uh, Thank God that was the day Marcus Freeman got hired because otherwise it'd be bad vibes in South Bend. Uh, But, you know, they got Western Michigan, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Pitt their next three games. So should be able to get right before they have Duke and Carolina in the same week. Duke and Carolina the same week. No one likes that. Yeah, Jesus. So cool. I mean, that, that, that pretty much does it for the weekend for me. Um, yesterday we had Texas and Stanford. My biggest thing with Texas, I, I, you know, this is kind of just off the cuff here, but my biggest thing is Chris Beard has the most athletes he's ever had at Texas, the best roster he's ever had as a college basketball coach. And he's playing the slowest pace he's ever played. Yeah. That's so what weird. are you doing? Open the, open the court, run, let the floodgates open. You're deep run, do hockey substitutions, run, 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 run. And when they need a break, sub them out. Um, I took from a guy who wants Texas to be good, who had a terrible non-conference schedule. So yes, that's where I'm at with Texas. I'm the same place. I just, I want them to be better. And, um, you know, I don't really love Stanford, so I'm not going to be blown away by a, whatever the Cardinal, um, former, former UNC assistant, Jared Haas might be on the hot seat. Yeah. So they've got, you know, a couple of gimme games before they start conference play against West Virginia. Um, they have rice and incarnate word who I literally always forget. Is it school? school. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. 
Speaking yeah. of West Virginia, uh, I want to give props to a team that went on the road and played. West Virginia won Saturday in Birmingham against UAB. Um, mm-hmm. A great game. Our boy Shell McNeil with a, a jumper at the end to tie it Bob up. Bob Huggins versus Andy Kennedy. Awesome. Yeah, the battle of the, uh, the throwaways that UC fans are yeah. kicking themselves for. But, um, yeah, great game. West Virginia wins a game that, you know, I thought they would lose, to be honest. But very excited with them. Uh, I think they're kind of underrated. McNeil and Sherman are two guys that just can get it going at all times. But I think they truly need a point guard to kind of solidify themselves in the Big 12, though. I'm really impressed with them. I think mm-hmm. uh, the UConn win. Back. Yeah. Press Virginia yeah. is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UConn win was tremendous. I mean, that was awesome. Um, and then, you know, like you said, they go and they turn around, they beat UAB. This is a good UAB team. Um, I know a lot of people kind of don't look at, you know, they're, they're nine and three right now. I know they play in conference USA, but they lost to South Carolina by three. They lost to San Francisco. Who's awesome by two. And they lost to West Virginia by six. So, you know, they don't have great wins. Uh, you know, their best win right now is probably St. Louis, but good basketball team. Um, mm-hmm. I like Andy Kennedy, so I'm always going to root for him. Jordan Walker's really good. So that's mm-hmm. the guy you should keep an eye on for if you're, if we're, you're keeping they're an eye on deep. UAB. They're a deep team that can make a run in the tournament. Dead serious. Yes, I agree. So. I completely agree. It feels like when they had those twins in like 02 that beat Kentucky, mm-hmm. when yep. Kentucky was the one seed. That one guy threw the ball like over his head and it like was like to his twin brother who had an alley-oop at the other end of the court. Pretty cool. Liked it. Yeah. I, I think I hope there's a there's part of me that hopes people don't catch on to these mid-majors, um, mm-hmm. and these teams that are like sneaky good. So when the tournament comes out, these lines are projected way up and I can get good value on these teams. But also I want people to watch good basketball and UAB is playing much better basketball than North Carolina. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they yeah. are. I still have faith in the Tar Heels, though. So do I. I just, I very frustrated off Saturday. So yeah, really like Caleb Love. Really like Caleb Love. You can have him <laughs> <laughs> where I'm at. So, all right. Is that is it time for our All American of the Week? It is, man. It is. Yeah. I got, I got a good one. I'm excited. All right, go ahead. All right. I know they didn't play this weekend, but my man has definitely started challenging Drew Timmy for the AP Player of the Year race. My man is EJ Liddell. Mm-hmm. Dude. He has been so freaking good. This just um, shows what happens when you stay in college, develop, and reach your potential. Now, he wasn't an NBA player after year one, but he's his junior year. Look at him go. So, sorry, I didn't want to take your thunder there. No, no, not at all. I, t- I totally appreciate it. I mean, we obviously knew about the shot blocks. Um, Ken Palm right now has him rated as the top player in the country. Mm-hmm. So, that's pretty impressive. Um, shot blocking, the rebounding, the shooting, obviously hitting the shot against Duke earlier this season is going to be kind of his solidifying moment. But, uh, we've talked all year about Drew Timmy and how tremendous he's been, and he has been tremendous, but he, he's starting to get some competition for AP player of the year. And I think EJ Liddell has really given that competition and Chris Holtman definitely trusts him. They obviously run their offense through them. And so I, I like this Buckeyes team. We've talked about this a little bit. I think they're really talented and EJ Liddell is leading the way. Yeah. All right. So my All-American of the week, a guy that I was down on a little bit, but he played his ass off on Saturday against Carolina. That is Severe Wheeler, um, 12 of 15 from the field, eight assists, four steals, one turnover, 26 points. A guy that he is Kentucky's motor offensively and defensively, gets the ball to the guys on action. He can score when he needs to. Look at the game against Notre Dame where he had zero points. Notre Dame dared him to shoot. Carolina dared him to shoot. He made Carolina pay for it. So, I think he's, he's their motor, great defensively. He picked R.J. Davis and Kayla Love's pocket clean a couple times, got easy layups on the other end. Um, I think he's the key to Kentucky this year. Ty Ty's great. Oscar's great. Kellen can shoot. But when Wheeler has good games, they're going to be impossible to beat. 
Yeah, they are. I agree. Two Kentucky guys from us, an All-American yeah. so far this year. How about that? Yeah. We should have like kept like a list of this. See like how many guys we have listed. <laughs> yeah. Because it probably would have been longer than the actual American list, which is right. I think what is it like five teams now? Right. Yeah. The seventeenth team All American. Yeah, Jesus. Participation jerseys. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. What are we looking forward to? Any anything coming up? I know Christmas you got that break, but anything you want to see? Any games jumping out to you? What are you looking forward to the rest of the week? Um, Villanova Xavier obviously is is kind of the big game of the week. It was Kentucky Louisville. I, I was actually going to go. Um, so kind of bummed that will not be going to that game. I think UK is playing Bellarmine. So if you are a Kentucky native, it's still a fun game to watch. Um, Bellarmine are in the fun style offense where they shoot a lot of threes and Kentucky, you know, playing an in-state school is always fun. Um, but for this week tonight on Monday or, you know, yesterday when you're listening to this, there's not really any good games. Um, kind of a lackluster game. I love when John Rothstein always says, who needs the NFL? It's like, well, we need the NFL. On a slate like today, we need the NFL. Yes. Um, this week, though, looking real quick, Villanova Xavier, Tuesday, um, don't really got a lot of good games. I know it's kind of hard with the holidays, but uh, we got a just sneaky, to... sneaky good Tuesday night game. Let me hear it. Michigan State at Oakland. Oh, wow. Yeah, the fighting yeah. Grizz. And then actually, I'm looking at it now. UConn, Marquette, and Kansas, Colorado are Tuesday. The closer we get to Christmas, the less games that we get. But really, this is the week that the college basketball kind of dies down. Um, next week with the college football playoff and football, and then right when the conference play right around the new year is right when the season gets going. So very excited for people to kind of shift their focus from the NFL playoffs to college basketball right when it gets going. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, we're going to go and wrap this week's up, this week's edition of At Large Bid Up. Thank you all for tuning in as always and your continued support. Keep checking out as Taylor's giving us your best bets throughout the week in college basketball games. Like we said, we're kind of getting to the point where we're taking a little bit of a break, so you probably won't see it as much. Uh, but it gives us time to reflect. I gotta I'm waiting to see how tomorrow goes before I write my how good can Xavier B article. Right. Always need a litmus test, so it's a good yeah. one to have. Yeah. So cool. So all right, guys, Happy, have a good one. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.